Well, I'm also delighted that we can begin this morning a new series through the book of Joshua in God's Word and enjoy growing and learning and even being challenged by it in various places as we move forward through this semester, if you will. You can turn this morning to Deuteronomy chapter 31 in your Bibles. There's a pew Bible also that you can grab if you don't have a a Bible handy this morning, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, so it's the fifth book of the Bible there that you're looking for, and chapter 31, we're beginning Joshua, we're doing so from the standpoint of Deuteronomy, because we want to get a little background this morning, understand what God is doing by way of His plan across the scope of the Old Testament, and seeing that plan in its fulfillment coming to fruition through the time and the period of Joshua. So we want to get a little backstory in leading into it. And I'll go ahead and mention before we really look at that passage, if you want to look in your worship guide, I think it is page uh, 10 perhaps of, of that worship guide, you'll see laid out, it doesn't have our whole series, it takes us through the end of March and then we'll have some, some more to share. We're going to walk through the, the entirety of the book of of Joshua, but it shows you some of where we're headed. A couple of things I'll mention is just, of course, looking at the book of Joshua, we will be looking at Joshua. So that's part of what we're going to do is study who he is, how God commissioned and called him, how God gifted and used him. We'll also very shortly, in a couple of weeks, look at the remarkable role of a person like Rahab, who was a pagan prostitute who lived in the city of Jericho, a city that was about to be wiped out and destroyed by the people of God. But she demonstrated faith in who God was and demonstrated faith in God working through his people, the Old Testament people of God, the Old Testament church, the Israelites, such that she was able, through her faith, not only to save and and help the, the spies that were with her, but to save and help her own family, and even to be listed among the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11. We'll look at the city of Jericho and that uh, wonderful story where God's people were uh, called uh, to use, in this case, physical force in marching around that city and preparing to do uh, battle with the people in, the, in that promised land. And see, for us today as a church, of course, our only force is spiritual force that we use Uh, but certainly no less powerful for us to, if you will, uh, circle around our community in prayer, ask that the the walls of of the, the, the sin and the rejection of Christ would fall down so that His kingdom might come more and more into our community. And, and if you will, to blow trumpets, trumpets of the, the gospel message and gospel truth. And don't worry. We will uh, move fairly rapidly through chapters 13 through 19 of that settling of the land and all those detailed descriptions, but not so rapidly that we miss the fact that God is bringing about the fulfillment of His covenant promises to bring these people into a land, and that through that we're reminded that His promises to us today are, are yes and amen the things that He's told us about having a promise of eternal life with Him, about dwelling and living in His kingdom now, those things are true, and He's fulfilling them even in our midst. 
As we walk through a book of the Bible, I'll say again, I know I've spoken to this in the past, but, but a couple of quick reminders. One is it's very satisfying, even though it's a little intimidating to come and make the commitment to be here each week and walk through an entire book like Joshua, particularly in the Old Testament. It's very satisfying to be able to, to look back uh, four or five months from now and say, wow, I, I understand now more what's in that particular book of the Bible. Not just a smattering of verses I have in my mind, but I'm, I'm getting, I'm growing, I'm understanding God's Word as it's laid out. It's not only very satisfying, but it's very sound for us as well. In our sort of microwave, uh, mini-proportion society, in our Twitter feeds where, you know, a piece of information can't possibly be longer than 160 characters or it wouldn't be useful for us in, in the world where that Facebook post comes up and it's, it's the, the end of the world for us to hit more and actually read a longer post than just what they want to put on the screen. Uh, we need to be able to grow in the depth of our faith, not just to be spiritual people, but to be biblical people. And so it's good for us, even if it's hard sometimes, to walk through an entire book of the Scriptures. And then the last thing I'll say, and, and I know I've mentioned this before, it's not only very satisfying and very sound, it's very safe. It's very safe to walk through a book of the Bible in this way. And what I mean is this, it protects you from me, and me just getting on my preaching hobby horse of what I want to talk about. Instead, we're going to talk about what's next in the book of Joshua. And it also protects you from you. So that we don't put earmuffs on our ears and say, I don't like to hear that part of the Bible. I don't want to know about that part or that part's difficult. It really forces all of us to walk through it, digest it, grow and learn from it. So with all of that in mind, I invite you this morning then to stand in recognition of the truth and the power of God's Word. Look uh, with me at Deuteronomy chapter 31. And I'll read aloud as you all read along silently uh, verses 1 through 6. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I'm no longer to go out and able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He's talking to all the people now. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you. You shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it's the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Be seated and let's pray once again. Oh, Father, we do pray now that we would experience the blessings I just described from your word and from looking at the place of this account of Joshua in your revelation, in your plans and in the fulfillment of 
those plans. That we would see your glory and we would meditate on our own lives. How you are bringing out the fulfillment of your plans for us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when we moved into our current house about three and a half years ago, probably like others may do with your apartment or town home or house, wherever you dwell, we, we made certain plans, things that we wanted to see happen. They weren't necessarily big things. Hang a few pictures over there. Put some drapes up over here. Things that we wanted to do, but then... As time went by and distractions came and funds came and went, we didn't quite get to fulfilling those plans. Maybe you can sympathize. Maybe you can relate. So my wife, Patience, and I, when we got a week or so ago some Christmas money from family this year, we decided we were going to go straight out to world market, not let it go to anything else And we picked out a few of those bar stools, four of them, that have been conspicuously absent from the bar section of our kitchen where you sit. They've been conspicuously absent in some measure to try to avoid concussions that might happen from that larger distance being fallen by several little young ones. But they've been absent. We wanted to have those stools in place, and so we were excited when we got them home, the boxes and so forth, kind of on the cusp of the fulfillment of something we'd been thinking about for a couple of years. And I opened up the boxes, and those big letters on the side, some assembly required, rang very true for the next two to three hours that it took to assemble four bar stools. Some of you are laughing. I'm actually one of the handyman guys around here that usually does all right with those things. took a while to put them together, some assembly required. But when we finally did, what an exciting thing for our boys to be able to be enthusiastic even about something so simple as sitting at the countertop. Exciting for my wife, Patience, for us to be able to have a few more places for people to seat when they come over and exciting for me to be able to have utilized some of my power tools, even if maybe a little longer than I would have liked to. We had a plan, came to fulfillment, some assembly required. Definitely an oversimplification. For the book of Joshua and what's going on in God's Word. But I think maybe it'll help us to get a picture of what's happening. And what we want to do today, again, is take a little time to look at the backstory, the acorn, if you will, to the oak tree of redemption, of God's plan and purposes. And how does Joshua fit into that? Because as helpful and beneficial as it will be for us to look at individual passages about Jericho and about Rahab, it's so much more beneficial for us to understand it within its broader context and place in Scripture. That's what we want to talk about this morning, about God working out His plan, His plan for the fulfillment of a promised land through His people. And for them, too, really, the book of Joshua is about the assembly that's required. God's doing His work, and God's people are responding by faith and action. And in that, He's bringing about His plan. And this isn't just something that's 
back in the Old Testament for times long, long ago. But as I said earlier, and as we've been praying this morning, this is happening, I, I hope we can see through eyes of faith, right here. It's, it's happening around the world today, God's plan coming to fulfillment in the building of His kingdom. But it's happening right here in our midst as well. And I, and I think the start of kind of a new year, uh, the, our fourth year, calendar year, I guess, that we're beginning here, our fourth January season is a great time to just take stock, remember all of what God has done, the way that He's been touching the lives of children like we just saw here this morning, growing them through Sunday school and times of family devotion and hearing and growing in God's Word on their own and the way that we've been able to see a couple of years now, first 25 kids at a summer vacation Bible school, then 45, then 100, then 140 kids being touched. Not just that, but the songs that the little ones in the nursery sing when they get home, having been taught a little bit about the Lord through song and music. And not just for the little ones, but adults committing to church membership as we've seen throughout this last year and even being baptized for the first time. Our church family growing from about 60 folks to about 175 that are part of our church now. Missionaries being supported prayed for, each one of us, I trust, growing in grace and truth and perhaps in areas of our life being strengthened to resist the inflow of evil. All of those things are the fulfillment of God's kingdom. Life groups helping to connect people in community in a deeper way than maybe we've ever experienced before. Lots of people using our gifts in ministry to help with the hospitality out there, to serve with the children's ministry, to help lead us in the music we enjoyed over Christmas time, to run the soundboard, to do the setup, to lead as officers in our church, you name it, God working through us. That's His kingdom, His plan coming to fulfillment in our midst. Parents being strengthened in their calling to raise godly children, Uh, those of us out in the uh, workplace, in the marketplace, being equipped to see God using us there as well, our gifts and abilities that God's pleased as we simply do our work for His glory. All of this, I hope you can see, is, is, is just like the time of Joshua when God's bringing His plan to fulfillment and they're entering into the promised land. As we're doing these things day in and day out, we're seeing God bringing about the fulfillment of His marvelous plan. It's a beautiful Beautiful thing. Let's zoom back then and take a look. I've tried to make our case for how it relates to our lives today. At this acorn to oak tree. At these ones who came along through the scriptures, these mediators, these leaders, these spokespeople among God's people who marked the path up to Joshua. And then what we're going to do this morning is just take a few minutes to look at some characteristics about Joshua that we we really see before we ever get to the book of Joshua. That's what we want to look at this morning. Let's take that acorn all the way back to that little tiny acorn before it's even been a sapling and look at how we get up to the time of Joshua because we may, you know, read the Bible. We may have some familiarity with being in church, but we wouldn't necessarily be able off the top of our head to say, well, where does Joshua come? Now, there's, I know there's Moses, and then there's, uh, there's Abraham, and I know there was Isaiah. Where, where do those things fit 
together. Well, let's start back at the beginning. You got Adam and Eve in the garden, God's place. They're God's people, the two of them, under God's rule and blessing. They choose to sin. That falls apart, if you will. And even up until the time of Noah, which we see in Genesis 6 through 9, we see that the world is broken, and yet God is gracious to redeem Noah and his family, to save them, to keep a people, that family, for himself, and to put them back on the land after the flood comes, to be bringing about his covenant promise to Noah. Not long after that, we see Abraham called out of another place called Ur to come into, be a dweller, In the promised land, they don't really control it, but they're dwelling there. And then his sons, Isaac and Jacob, and the 12 sons after them are living there, seeing God's promise being fulfilled. Joseph goes off to Egypt. All of that family ends up there, multiplies incredibly in number to the millions in Egypt, but is under slavery. God comes and sends Moses a rescuer, and we're getting closer in now to the time of Joshua because Joshua was working with Moses. Moses comes and rescues those people, but you remember they go out into the wilderness, and this is really important. You can't get Joshua if you don't get this part of it. They go out into the wilderness, and they're on the cusp of being able to take that step of faith see that new work of God's kingdom come about. For them, it's the fact that they're going to be able to enter into this promised land that's been talked about for centuries. They've seen manna coming from heaven. They're being fed, you know, food out of the sky. So they're seeing them work. They've got a pillar and a cloud that shows he's right there with them. And yet, like us, they struggle to take that step of faith, to go into the promised land, And so God gives them some time to think about it. (laughs) Gives them a big old quiet time for those of us that are parents. You know, send them to their room for a little while. Only it's 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. And that whole generation is passing away except for two that remain. And we'll say more about this. Caleb and Joshua, who had the privilege of being able to go into the land, even Moses, as we just read this morning in our passage, He's not able to go. Promise coming to fulfillment. Let me say just a little bit more about Joshua. Do you know what the New Testament Greek translation of the word in Hebrew Joshua is? It's Jesus. That's what Jesus means. It's the Greek translation of the word Joshua. And Joshua means the Lord is salvation. So when we start to look at Joshua and we see him in this line of Adam and these fallen men that God nevertheless is working through, Adam and Noah and Abraham and Moses, and then come along to Joshua, we are seeing the Lord's salvation poured out. And we're seeing a pointer ahead to the work of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the true leader, the true mediator, the fullest and most perfect mediator and leader of God's people. Joshua 
The Lord is salvation. And just as this one, Joshua, is a precursor to Jesus, and Jesus is going to lead us into the promised land of relationship with him and eternal life, Joshua is leading us into that promised land as well. What's the role then of Joshua? What are some of the things that we see from his life that we can learn from as we begin to prepare to, to study his actions and the people of God in, in Joshua. Well, the first thing that's very dramatic, and I think stands out in, in huge letters for us, is that Joshua was a man of faith. And he's obviously a, a gifted a leader and so forth. He's got skills and abilities and military strategy and uh, those as well. But the thing that marks him out the most is that he's a man of faith. Again, remember that story. It's in, uh, it's in Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. You don't need to turn there. But the people of God about to go in. Now, 12 spies are sent out. Moses sends them out. And Joshua and Caleb are among them. And their job, people, is, is actually not to go and say whether they should or shouldn't go into the land, should or shouldn't take this step of faith. Their job is to go and be spies, do what spies do, figure out where are we going to attack from here, how are we going to strategize over here. It's amazing then that they come back, and instead of being encouraged through all that the Lord has been doing in their midst, all the fulfillment of his plans, they hold up. They pull on the brakes. They say, we can't trust God to help us walk in that next step of faith. Caleb and Joshua, though, do. They say, we believe that God can do what he has promised in our midst. And before you sort of dismiss it and, and say, well, <laughs> that's awesome and great for them. They were, you know, going and fighting some military battle, some grand and glorious things. But I'm just walking through my day-to-day -day life. I'll uh, tip my hat to our own uh, church member here, Matt Redman, if you haven't had a chance to uh, read and, and look at his book, The God of the Mundane. I'm not getting any kickbacks yet. We can talk about that. We can talk about that. But uh, I encourage you to pick it up because it's a great book and reminder of the reality that for all of us, every single day is an opportunity to walk in faith or not walk in faith. That's an opportunity for all of us. It's faith uh, as parents. You know, we saw this on this Communicant Sunday, probably a good time to think about this. To get up each day, to seek to pour into the life of the little ones that have been placed in, in our midst and under our responsibility. To carve out time to talk to them about God's Word, to protect them from what they may or may not see on TV and other places, to watch over their physical health. All of those things, that's an act of faith every day. To believe that that's making a difference. That we're helping to raise little ones who will, we trust grow in the, in the faith and flourish and be a blessing to the world around them. It's an act of faith in the workplace. Whatever your job is day to day, uh, most of us, whether it's overseeing other people that you've got to direct and you need wisdom, need faith to trust God to give you wisdom for how to uh, deal with those situations, or maybe it's making a decision of how much time do I spend pursuing this possible sale, that's going to take me time and investment. I've got to figure that out. I need wisdom from God. It's an act of faith, all of the things that we do. An act of faith that believe, to believe 
that where our marriage is is maybe a good place, but we'd love to be in a better spot and to trust that God could take us there. It's an act of faith, of course, to reach out to our neighbors, especially the start of this new year, and say, man, I've asked that person to life group before. I've invited so-and-so to uh, come to church, but, you know, they didn't show up. And to go again. You know, it's been a year. God might have just done a change in their heart. You remember that point when God did a change in your heart and you were saying no at one point, and all of a sudden you were saying, yes, I'd like to grow closer to the Lord? It's an act of faith in all these things. And Joshua was a man of faith. We also see that he was a faithful supporter. He was a faithful supporter. As I said, I mean, you look at the stuff that Joshua did, even if you just kind of vaguely know the story of the book of Joshua, they did some amazing things. They basically, you know, the Lord was with them. That was the key thing. But they basically steamrolled the whole place. He was a skilled and gifted military commander and leader and spokesman to the people of God. And yet it's interesting, the background, and you can read all sorts of passages throughout Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy about how Joshua is able to say, you know, I'm okay with being in this position under Moses for this time. It's a good place for me to grow and mature. Maybe it's a similar situation for you in your workplace where, frankly, you feel like you're under somebody who they don't know how to tie their shoes, and yet I've got to put myself in that role and serve and do my best there. Maybe it's that situation a little closer to home for some of the wives here who know God's calling you to follow the leadership of your husband, and you scratch your head more than a few times about where hubby's leading things. Maybe it's for some of the young ones here. And I'll speak to those in high school or junior high or some of the communicants that came through today. It's an act of, of, of faith and being a faithful supporter, if you will, to realize that your parents have been put in place by God to give you direction. They're not perfect in their leadership, but you can. You've got skills. You've got abilities. God's blessing you, I'm sure. But you can put yourself under that and see God bless you. It's all across the page that Joshua is a faithful supporter. He's willing to be in that role to prepare himself for that next step. And then we see this, that he's the heir apparent. He's absolutely positioned to take over where Moses left off. And the only thing I really want us to see from that is this, that God's got a pathway that he's taking his people. He's going from this sequence of folks, and he has a handoff from Moses to Joshua because he knows that's what needs to happen for his people to be blessed. He's not starting from scratch with the book of Joshua. So when we open next week, you know, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, it's not just jumping out of the, you know, landing out of the moon. It's coming out of the flow of God's work through his leaders and his mediators in the Old Testament. A couple little thoughts for us to conclude with today. The first is I want to go back to what I said earlier again, and I really want us to meditate. I would love it if everybody would go home this afternoon and just take stock. You can do it individually. You can do it as a family. I hope you'll do it with our church family as well of all the ways that God has been bringing about the fulfillment of his plans because that's the big picture here. 
That's what's going on in the transition from the first five books of the Bible to Joshua. God's bringing about some of the fulfillment that he said he was going to do. He's going to bring them into the land. God's bringing about fulfillment in your life and mine as well. And if we don't slow down and look for it, we'll miss it. And we'll miss the encouragement and blessing that comes from it. Not just that, but as I've already said, I'll mention again, there's a huge challenge from the life of Joshua and the story of him to take stock of where we are in our faith. And what I'm, I'm not just talking about affirming certain things. I'm so happy we had the young ones come and they affirmed things that they believe. But they know, and we all know, that those things have to move beyond that. It has to be something that's actually working in our hearts to where we wake up and want to walk with the Lord each day. We want to know more about His Word. We want to love others because of Him. We want to serve in various ways in His kingdom out of an overflow of that relationship. That's what faith is. It's taking a a step in trusting the Lord. And the last thing I'll say by way of application, and this may seem to come a little bit out of the blue, but... Let's go back to my my little story at the beginning about the bar stools. Not terribly exciting, maybe for everybody, but the bar stools were exciting for the Peters family. Those three words on the side of that box, some assembly required. The story of Joshua is a story in this book, again, of God's people responding to God's work, God's plan, but they're ready. They're ready to take steps of faith, and they stumble on the way. We're going to see some of those stumbles, but by and large, they're ready to do that. And they do that because their leaders, Moses that they've seen, and Joshua are people who are dependent upon the Lord. And how are those men dependent upon the Lord? They're dependent because they're they're men of prayer. They're seeking the Lord through prayer. And there's a lot of things that we're going to be able to look at as far as the assembly instructions For God fulfilling His plan in our lives and in the church, we'll look at those over the next few months. But one of the most important assembly instructions, the very first one at the top of the list in this little uh, booklet that you open with your package here, is prayer. Is saturating the things that we do in prayer. Because it's only prayer that's going to enable you and me in calling out to God to have a deeper hunger and thirst after the Lord. It's only prayer that's going to enable us to grasp more both holiness and grace and see those things realized in our lives. It's only prayer that's going to allow us to build our identity more and more in who we are in Christ instead of the things of this world that we use to prop ourselves up. It's only prayer that's going to allow us, as I said earlier, in our workplace or in our responsibilities as parents or in the mundane things of the life, to be able to see God's kingdom coming to bear there. And so I'm hopeful that one of the things, one of the assembly instructions that we'd put in place individually as families is to carve out more time for prayer, to think about how we can develop in our prayer life, and that through our Sunday school times, through our life groups, through our small groups, even as we gather in our worship times, when someone's up here leading in prayer, that we would all be genuinely engaged with that work of God. That we'd be seeing God assemble His work in our lives through trusting Him in prayer. 
So I hope you get a little bit of the backstory today. God's plan to take His people into the promised land. The work of Joshua as we begin it is the beginning, it's the cusp of the fulfillment of that plan. And so what we're going to get to see gloriously, I hope, over the next few months is what it looks like for God to do that fulfilling work and what it means for your life and mine as well. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Lord, we are so thankful for the fact that you take your work and you don't leave it in an acorn but you allow it to grow. And as we look in the coming weeks at, uh, I guess, the sapling stage for this tree, where we see decisively how it's growing in the time of Joshua, we pray, Lord God, that you continue to give us eyes to see the work of the oak tree, the fulfillment of your Old Testament leaders and prophets and mediators, in the work of Jesus, the fulfillment of that Old Testament Joshua, and ours, the Lord Jesus, who is the Lord of our salvation, just as Joshua was used to bring about the bringing of the promised land and that salvation to the Old Testament people. O Lord, let these things captivate us, let them transform us, let them strengthen us, we pray. We look to you in faith to do so. In Jesus' name, amen.